Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome to another episode of Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. My name is Kyle. And my name's Katie. And we are your wonderful co-hosts of this very, very wonderful Star Trek podcast. Toot your own horn, why don't you? I think we do okay on here, don't you think? Fair play. I mean, we can call it wonderful. That's what I did. Okay. It it was we. It was me. (laughs) Oh no, hang on. Other people can call it wonderful. Maybe oh. if we say it, it's a bit like, look how wonderful we are. Oh, okay. Tooting our own horn then, mm-hmm. yeah, as you said. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Yeah. There's been a lot of miscommunication. Tooting our own flutes. Oh, like Picard's flute. I see. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Thank you, family guy. Yeah, so a bit of miscommunication from us to start the show. <laughs> Forgot what the other person was saying within five seconds of them saying it. But here we are now to talk about the most recent episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, which is called Cupid's Errant Arrow. Mm. Good episode title. Yeah, I love it. I feel under pressure with the episode titles that Lower Decks is putting out for like our own episode titles. Because they've had like Cupid's Errant Arrow, Moist Vessel, mm. Temporal Edict. You know, Someone some... has got some vocabulary. There are some strong... Names. I feel like the names of Lower Decks started out quite like serious as well. We had mm. Second Contact, Envoys, and even I guess Temporal Edict. But now we've had like, yeah, Moist Vessel and Cupid's Errant Arrow. But so. I still think even though, you know, they've got a bit of a something to them, they're still quite serious. Like if you saw them, you'd be like, oh, an Errant Arrow. With New Trek, with the Discovery, they've removed having the episode title appear on the screen at the start mm. after the credits, which all other Trek had. And I have been... Very grateful for that. But I'm actually, now with Lower Decks, I'm quite enjoying seeing the episode name come up in the mm. corner. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's in the same as the TNG font, so it's kind of like, it feels nostalgic. But uh, I'm glad it they're doing it It warms your show. little trekky heart. It does warm my little trekky heart, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, because I, I, I feel much closer aligned to newer Trek than old. And like, Enterprise is my jam from before, and that font wasn't quite so in your face. You never really noticed mm. the episode title coming up or anything. But, but yeah. I'm enjoying seeing the names come up. Mm. Sometimes just because of how crazy they are. Like mm. Moist Vessel is not just an episode title that exists. It's actually on screen as existing yeah. as well. That's pretty strong. It's in writing. It is, it it's is too, in writing. It's too late. So we're recording this one late again. Sorry. Because you went out. We're normally recording a Friday night. I say normally. We've done it about twice out of our five times. So you could argue actually that. We've actually recorded more of them on a Saturday, yeah. Mm. This, so it's Saturday night right now, so possibly this episode may be out in less than 12 hours, which is great. Good turnaround for me. I'll be the one staying I'm going to be going it. to bed. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, I shall be staying awake to, to get this sorted. We couldn't do it last night because you went out. I did. For some drinky drinks. Yeah, I did. Your first time in a while. Yeah, it was really good. I went to a place called Turtle Bay. Yes. Jamaican food. Jamaican me crazy. Yeah, so had some like... Shaggy on in the background, some like weird, funky reggae remixes of songs from the charts. Can I admit something to you? No, please don't. (laughs) No, it's not bad. Yeah, go on. I know sometimes when I start that on the show, it it leads down a path. I'm going to confess that 
I have heard of Shaggy a lot, the name. Hold up. But I have no idea who Shaggy is. <gasps> Blasphemy. I don't know that track. That's t- <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. No, I knew. it wasn't. <laughs> no, I knew that wasn't. I mean, it could have a song. Oh my god, that. it wasn't me. Oh. Shaggy. Shaggy. And but what does Shaggy look like? Shaggy. No, I'm joking. He's he's very very clean shaven. Okay. In a in a strange twist of not like me what then. He is. No, he doesn't look anything like you. Okay. But he also sang Angel. No, Robbie Williams. Not that one. Was it Angel or Angels for Robbie Williams? I think it's Angels. Oh, see? Plural. So he was singing about all of them, but Shaggy just sang about... He just picked one. I don't know that song you're on about from Shaggy. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not asking you to. I'm not trying to... I'll do it later. Well, I get get a a private... Concert. Yeah, do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna come really close to you and like look in your eyes and, oh, and in, sing it at you. Intently sing it at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like how I hate, you know. But yeah, I've got a little bit, not a, a story, but just a, a track related thing last night. So before you tell the story, I should point out we don't make any of this up. And as I pointed out last week, stuff happens to you between. Oh, I wasn't even talking about that story, Um, but also, yeah, I'll I'll do both. Okay, so tell me the story that isn't the dramatic one that I was just referring to. Um, So we were talking about the new way that everyone's going to greet everybody now. I did like the thing that you failed to do when you met Trip, and ah, it wasn't Trip that I messed up the live long. Oh, it was um, it was the worst person I could have messed up with. Like Ethan Peck, yeah, yeah. Mr. Spock. Spock. Which I just want to clarify. I will put this photo up on our. social media at some point if enough people ask for it but basically ask for it guys okay. it's worth it okay <laughs> now it didn't dawn on me until the moment i stepped away from ethan peck but because he was on my right side for the photos and obviously he puts his arm around you put your arm around him i'm right-handed so i do everything with my right hand i don't do anything with my left hand really it is useless it, like it might as well be dead to me like one time when i was back when i used to do chefing and stuff i had like a a proper executive chef of the company asked me if I had a disability with my left arm. Ooh. And I was like, no, not at all. And then he was like, well, F and use both hands when you're cooking then. And I was like, oh, wow, he turned on me. I love, But I love that he very carefully checked first before. Oh, yeah, it sounded like it was really, like, caring. Oh, yeah, really before loving. he went in at me. Like, he like he was just checking that he wasn't about to, like, cause controversy for the company. But then with, with Ethan Peck, I went for this photo and then he does the live long and prosper salute. And I also did it or thought I was doing it. And it wasn't until I stepped away <laughs> from him that I realised I just literally had held my hand up, my left hand up in the like air. Like you were surrendering with one hand. Yeah, but also like I was just saying hello to someone, <laughs> but very firmly, because my arm just looked overly firm. Oh, my hand just looked, well. I'm doing it now, like my hand looked very well presented. I was presenting my hand very strongly mm. to the photographer. Just and not. as I walked away, I was like, wait, was I just... Like holding my hand up at the camera and not to live long and prosper. Okay. And Ethan Peck started laughing at me. I like to think he laughed with me. So yeah, I've had Spock laugh mm. with me. With me. It's funny, I put the photo on a Trek group. This was a Destination Star Trek 2019 for people who may have been there. I put it on a Trek group, the photo. I can't remember what group it was. And I like it got like hundreds of likes. It's the first probably like thing I've had on a public <laughs> thing that's been so popular, uh, except for stuff through fan accounts and stuff. And people were offering, like, messaging me, saying, I can, like, I can Photoshop it for you if you want and fix your fingers. I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that was like, yes, please fix this. But I thought it would cheapen the photograph the if I fixed it. 
So we have the photograph. I don't have a digital copy of it yet. I've not bought that yet. It's five pound. Don't digital. worry, that's no problem. I've got we'll the. Just, we'll just take a snap of it. Yeah, I've got I've got <laughs> pictures of the photo, so it's not as good a quality. But you can see me very proudly presenting my hand. But your face just looks like you're fangirling. Like oh, I was incredibly happy. This is why I did not notice that my left yeah. hand was not doing the little. I don't know whether prosper. I prefer the look on your face <laughs> or the failure of your left hand in oh, that photo. I couldn't believe it. I think I messaged Even you Even Ethan Peck afters. is not my favorite thing in that photo. It's your hilarity. I thought you were about to say Ethan Peck is not your favourite thing, and I suddenly realised we were going to get hate tweets. No, no, I love Ethan Peck. Okay. I think he's great. Yeah, he's a really good spark. Mm. I can do live long and prosper with my right hand fine. It comes naturally mm. to me. My left hand, it feels really horrible. Look at you. What's look, wrong with you? You're looking at me like I'm deformed. I can't, I'm struggling to do it. Yeah, look at you. Long and prosper. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, don't you give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute. <laughs> okay, back to your yeah. story. Someone said, someone did this with like you can't see what i'm doing now but the two fingers in the middle and mm. then the, the index God. and the pinky spread out so i was like what are you doing it's actually an official salute as well but it means the opposite of live oh no but yeah but someone it said die young and suffer oh who did that to you i'm joking that is not an actual i don't think that is a oh. salute you took that very seriously i though. did yeah that's what I'm going to use it for now. I've Not ki- that anyone will understand. I've killed your story by cutting I in know, on you all the time. I know, for God's sake. We're getting there. Um, so someone did this to me and said, oh, live long and prosper. Isn't that how we're supposed to greet each other now? I said, what are you doing? I don't know. Isn't that what you have to do? I'm not a Trekkie. And I immediately went, well, I am. Did you? I know. You fessed up to being a Trekkie. It came out. Wow. And I was just like, guys, let me show you. Is this why you had so much to drink afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I actually, I was quite proud of myself that I could discuss it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Well done. Very quickly before we move on to the episode. Oh, yeah. You have to tell everyone the, the actual story of what happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is before you even like got I, into I, the city I walked center. out of the house and honestly, it must have been about a minute after I walked out of the house. I, I found an unconscious woman on the floor. and This is not normal for our area. No, no, way. it's not. But weirdly enough, when I went to Dover... <laughs> I also found an unconscious man. So anyway, found her on the floor. She was looking a little bit worse for wear. Everyone else was just going past her, just ignoring her. But, you know, can't do that, can I? Not that kind of person. Well, I will be now. Um, So I I checked she was breathing. She was breathing okay. And it's very very hard to check on someone's well-being when you have to socially distance. So I was going to, like, get a stick and prod her and be like, hey, hey, babe, you okay? Hey, you. Yeah. You. Yeah, you. You there. Yeah, you. Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so she was not okay uh, she was clutching a bottle of wine and she looked quite young so I was a bit concerned for her so I ended up ringing the 101 police number and they took some details and they were like okay we'll send someone to pick her up are you sure you can't rouse her and I was like I've, I've tried there's nothing I can do I, I've really tried to wake her up with that she woke up in a rage told me you're not my effing twin and I was like okay sure yeah no I I don't want to be don't think so I started moving away from her because she was starting to flail things in my direction including one of those vape sticks which she proceeded to jab into my side as yeah. if she were stabbing me and you with thought you'd been stabbed yeah. <laughs> I did I was, I was really yeah. scared you actually you stabbed for a minute for a minute I didn't know what she had in her hand so I just moved away and the police on the phone were like saying can you get away from her and she was chasing me down the street telling me she was gonna effing kill me who the eff do I think I am and I called the effing pigs the pigs that's what we well we shouldn't but that's what the police get called over here yeah it's, all, it's awful though like why it is bad isn't it I wonder where yeah. that comes from why, why pigs I don't know 
I don't know. Um, but she was like making oinking noises at me and she chased me for a little while and the police were like, yeah, we're coming to get her now. Like just keep moving towards people. And then when she realized that I might be calling an ambulance, she got really freaked out, dropped her stuff and ran into oncoming traffic. Do we know what happened to her after that? She just kind of wandered around the middle of the road for a bit and... That's a busy road. Yeah, I know. And then the yeah. police said that they were on their way to pick her up and the woman at the end of the phone was like, where are you? She said, are you going out tonight? I said, yes, I'm about to get on a bus to go for a meal with my friend. She went, is the bus there? I was like, yeah. She went, get on the bus. <laughs> and she was like, have a nice time. And even this officer of the law told me that if it were her, she would have walked past. She would yeah. have left her. There's a lesson learned there, guys. Never help anyone. No. Never. It's not what they anyone. teach you in school. I've said to you that people set up those situations as well to trick you. Well, this is what my immediate thought was. And mm. I was kind of concerned that I was going to get mug mugged. You or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I could never just leave someone laying. Well, now you will. Now I will. Now you will. Leave them there. The next one's going to be someone actually close to death. but I know, right? And But we'll blame that one from last night for it. What number do you say you called? 101. Why 101? Because, because it's not an emergency. Well, it is if someone's you think is unconscious on the street why not no but she was yeah no when when i first went to her i was like oh my gosh is she dead but then when i got closer she was snoring so oh okay so you knew she was <laughs> so she she wasn't she wasn't dead she was uh, just 101 what, what's 111 then nhs non-emergency so what's 101 police non-emergency good lord i mean well, they've all got their own numbers. Oh, that's it, though. Well, that's it's fire brigade. There's not. A, well, I guess the fire brigade is always an emergency. If oh, there's a hi. Fire. There's a fire. Don't worry about it, though. Yeah, Take your time. Don't want to stress you out too much. Or like I'm trapped down a well. Well, see, that would be can't swim, but don't worry about it. I wouldn't classify being trapped down a well as a emergency. What? Well, if house... you in particular. What do you mean by that? You can't swim. Okay, firstly. <laughs> Firstly, I've forgotten how to swim. I was never the strongest swimmer anyway. And we found out last year. Oh, no, it was this year, I think. No, it was last year. It's hard to tell with COVID. We found out last year that me having not swam for 17 years has meant that I have gone from being a weak weak swimmer to, I guess, a high risk drowning. (laughs) Is that it? Is that and also, in contrast, Harrison calls me a dolphin because yeah. I can't swim. Yeah, yeah, like you swim like a dolphin and I sink like a, a rock that's been dropped in the ocean. Anchor. An anchor, yeah. Oh, no. She, she mouthed. She mouthed a very... I know, I don't I can use to... the word because it's not even a swear word in America. beep it, though. She mouthed wanker at me. <laughs> this is how mature we are right now. Six minutes past nine on Saturday evening. I'm so tired. Yeah. The truth is, you survived the night. I did. You came home surprisingly early for you mm-hmm. by your own standards. Like it was only just into the next day when you got home. I'm basically Cinderella. You are my Cinderella. Oh. Yeah. Oh. You are my Prince Charming. There we go. Thank you. Cheers. I was worried you weren't going to follow up then. I was like, what? A- you are my ugly sister. What? Oh, there we go. There we have it. I was waiting for that. Let's talk about the fifth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. first season. Oh, halfway through now. It's, it's over. Weird. It's over in five weeks. Mm. And it won't be back for like a year. That makes me a little bit sad. I think they'll try and get it back. As soon as they can next year, because they haven't filmed any new track. So yeah, this will sooner, be easier to put together. Yeah, the sooner they can get this on, the better, because they've written the whole season. They've started getting the animation back for the first episode, not the coloured animation, but they're getting that back. Which means, I guess, they must have recorded some of the voice work for some of the episodes, so and they can re- record that remotely anyway. What do yeah. they do first? Do they record the audio and then do the? Yeah, I think so. Artwork. Yeah, it would make sense. I used to think it was the other way. Yeah, me too. But then you couldn't really make the pictures match. This episode was one I've been looking forward to. 
Because mm. we knew before the show launched that Boimler had a girlfriend, and that's what this episode's main storyline was about. It was Boimler having a girlfriend, and we got three storylines this week, uh, an A, a B, and a C plot. We'll start with the C plot. This was what they promised us at the start of the show, which we haven't seen too much of, which is that there's a big, typical Star Trek storyline going on, mm. but instead of it being the A plot, it's the C plot. It's in the background. And so um, our main characters barely touch upon that storyline in fact so what happens there i can't remember the name of the aliens but captain freeman and cerritos are at a alien planet where a moon is close to him imploding it's already started to uh, it looks a little bit like the moon in star trek 6 which you haven't seen yet but you will that's what i was about to say <laughs> <laughs> the idea is they need to blow up this moon safely otherwise it's going to uh, implode itself and wipe out all life on the planet below but there's a de- debate going on between uh, the alien species there and the alien species on another planet because on the other planet they rely on that moon i can't remember the exact reason what was the reason for it was it like blocked the keeps their planet like safe a, a doesn't flare it flare from some yeah. other something or other whereas, whereas that's the technical they, term yeah so if they detonate it that, that alien species will not survive but if they don't detonate it then they're going to kill a species on the closest planet so captain freeman was dealing with that ransom was kind of involved uh, they were joined by the uss vancouver a parliament class vessel which i love that they put that in the dialogue at the start as well what the reason was for it. it's like they knew that trek fans would love to have ship information about the, about the ship now the vancouver was actually a really sexy ship on the outside mm. but looked exactly the same inside which i thought was kind of cool you know like with cars you get some cars which are like if they're the same company they look different on the outside but actually the inside they're very very similar and sometimes it's the other way around where the car is just changing in size, but it looks the same. And like Ford mm. do that a lot, don't they? It made sense to me. I was like, yeah, why would every Starfleet vessel look completely different inside to other ones? Like if you've got a sick bay design that works or a mess hall that works or I don't know, a shuttle bay that works or a bridge that works, why would you try and change it with every ship design? They've been making starships for centuries, so they'd have an efficient design, no? Yeah, efficient and also um, consistent. Yeah. Like... Easier to go work somewhere. Yeah, you're a brand. You are you are a brand. Starfleet a brand. is a brand. And you've got to keep everything consistent so that when you transfer, it's not something that you have to learn where everything is. You know you where it is. You just know where it is. I never thought of it like that. I know. I and that does make perfect sense. Yeah, I know. Well done. Thank you. But this ship actually, yeah, it's huge compared to the mm. uh, Cerritos. So that I think they do the negotiating on board mm. the Vancouver, but Freeman's leading it, which did surprise me because I know the... Um, Freeman's ship specialised in second contacts and stuff, but I know they were mostly engineering, so it was interesting seeing her doing a diplomacy mission. But I, I guess they were there because they're engineers. They were there to head the detonation of the moon, which I guess maybe the Vancouver wouldn't have been there necessarily and it, to, to do. Fair, it looked like their captain had exhausted all of her options. So Freeman was there to try and save the negotiations, and it's going really wrong. And we, we barely touch on this plot, but it's stuck with me because it's so funny. We eventually discover that this alien who's kicking up the fuss from the other planet about not wanting the moon destroyed, turns out it's only actually him and his wife who live on the planet because they're rich. And then her response, there's a couple of F words. <laughs> this was my favorite, going to be, I've wrote it, written it down somewhere as my favorite quote. Of you? Of the episode. Yeah, what was it? Uh... You're telling me there are only two effing people in your effing community? <laughs> the whole episode is just two of them. Like, you can just feel the passion. She's like, she's been doing this, who knows how long, and she's just like, are you serious? Then she just turns to whoever it is she orders, she's just like, 
detonate the moon. <laughs> yeah, blow it up, whatever the line is. And, and then he's like, no, we've just got our floors done. <laughs> I love that. I thought it was hilarious. So that was a C plot. And that would have been a story that you could actually imagine would not with the finish of the ideas, only two of them, but that idea of squabbling of whether or not the moon should get blown up is a Trek story, like from, from Next Gen, which the show is obviously a massive tribute to. The B plot was uh, Rutherford and Tandy again. I love them as a combo. I think they work perfectly. I'm not really shipping them as a couple now at all. I just enjoy them as friends. I am living for how geeky they both are. Yeah. And they basically know what each other are thinking because they're always thinking the same thing. I just love it. They're very excitable with each other. They're they? so excitable. They have great chemistry. It's why it's so crazy to think as well that they're probably not in the booth with each other when they're recording. No. Because you'd think they are from the way they bounce off each other on mm. screen. But yeah, so their storyline is that they've gone over to the Vancouver. They are marking out about the Vancouver ship. All the tech. All the tech they're getting because as is hit home in this one, the Cerritos is pretty... Well, we've never known the age, but... Rutherford mentions that she's got some like miles on her, so mm. she must be older than we think, or some people have been suspecting anyway online. I also guess she's not the priority of no, uh, she's not. Starfleet to no. make her look good. and Particularly because at this point, they will be about three and a half to four years after the Dominion War, when Starfleet suffered a lot of losses. The fleet got decimated, so they would have been, probably focus would have been on building their fleet back up rather than maybe restoring the the standard of ships that they did have and the Ceratos is old so yeah Rutherford and Tandy are very excited on this ship I can't remember what they were there specifically to do but they basically get told if whoever does the most assistant checks or something will get to have the new scanner thing called was it a T88 T88 yeah correct us if we're wrong guys you know when they were on the Cerritos and they first started talking about it and they were like the rumor is they've got T88 I definitely thought it was a weapon. Now, judging from what I know about Dendy and Rutherford, I should have known straight away that... It was not a weapon. It was going to be a diagnostics gun. Yeah. (laughs) Remember how good Rutherford was, though, when he did have his military training? Mm. He was really really, just ripped that porg's eyepiece out and it's caught on the... But doesn't that make it so much nicer that he is such a dedicated engineering geek? Yeah. Because he could do anything he wants, but this is clearly where his heart lies. But in that Borg situation or scenario, whatever you want to call it, he used his cyborg implants to help him. Mm-hmm. And he uses that here as well, because when he's in the Jeffries 2 pretending, yeah. she's actually beaten him by, I think, about seven or something, diagnostics. And whoever does the most diagnostics gets to have the T-88 and be the hero. I love the like imaginary godlike uh, image <laughs> they created of like, him suspended by in front of a stand in front of the warp core with all the engin- engineers looking up to him like he's a holy figure and then... The same for Tendi when she was imagining that, no, it's going to be the medical team that will be doing that. And in fact, it had Dr. Tana I missed as it. well. You didn't, twice. Twice you missed Tana. I missed that. Tana's there on, a, on her knees as well. He turns his cyborg implant thing on and then he suddenly starts like whizzing through all these diagnostics. And you see her like freaking out. She's like, wait, wait, that's cheating. But she still carries on. I do kind of like that his cyborg implant or enhancements are not something that are always active in him mm. like he has to activate them which is good i guess because it means mm. that you're not always expecting that rutherford should be the smartest guy in the room mm. or the most capable like he has to activate it himself the story and i basically go is that they both finished at the exact same time with the exact same amount of diagnostics so the guy on the vancouver 
says uh, they both get to have a T-88 and they transfer into the ship. He hadn't mentioned it that to them before, that whoever got the T-88 was going to have to transfer to the Vancouver. They obviously don't want this. They want to stay on the Cerritos. So Tendi attacks him almost to get the pad off him. And there's a chase scene as they're running with the pad just before he's made the actual transfer. They find out then ultimately that he wanted off the ship. So he was actually going to swap with them because he was... Wait, he's... Sick of being epic, yeah. I think is the phrase, because I was like, that's great. Epic is certainly the thing. It's kind of taken the mick out of all Star Trek and actually adds a layer of something to think about because he's on a ship that he talks about going back in time to kill someone worse than Hitler. <laughs> uh, I've seen online some people think that they were alluding to a certain American president who's around right now. I don't think we need to skirt around that issue no no just don't want to give him credit for his name on the show the idea they'd go back to kill someone is very anti-starfleet though so must have been someone really bad could have been joking yeah i could have yeah must have been someone really really bad yeah he mentions all these other things like these glorious missions that we would see our ships on the other shows do every week but he doesn't want it he just wants a stress-free life on a ship that doesn't really matter doing the odd jobs around the galaxy rather than being out there saving the day and doing all this heroic stuff so and he has a breakdown he cancels the transfer because it turns out well he cancels it because they caught him out but then he has to give them a t88 each because rutherford filmed the whole confession did you notice him the second time turn it on i noticed him the first time did turn you? It on, but i didn't know what they what he was doing yeah i didn't notice the first time that he put the camera on or as i did notice it on my second viewing and uh, it turns out they stole bags worth of t88 anyway so there's loads for for their ship that was their storyline which i thought was brilliant and, and cute but the main one was boimler's girlfriend mm. barb barb barbara and i love her name was barb and mariner obviously as you would imagine cannot believe that boimler has a girlfriend can any of us no i mean it's hard to it's hard to believe and as we find out <laughs> it's not quite all as, all as it seems but mariner is convinced at first that it's going to be like a holodeck program she's of some like sort. will we conveniently be on the holodeck when we meet her <laughs> yeah so good and then she's saying she's going to wave her hand through her and boimler's like don't do that you you'll hit skin if that happens that's just part what, of the deal yeah, yeah. part of the deal of... <laughs> uh, but when she gets there <laughs> She says she's like computer end program and, and Boimler's girlfriend's still there. And Boimler, do you notice, had his little Geordie LaForge teddy bear? Yeah, I did. I was going to try and bring that up myself. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, yes, I did. And he had it again later in the episode when he thinks that Barb is sleeping with Jet as well. So she's very real, but Mariner is convinced something's got to be up. She's a lieutenant. And she's a lieutenant as well, Barb. She's she's uh, higher up the rankings than Boimler. Turns out they've been together for a month now. Boimler, apparently in this episode, hasn't stopped going on about Barb. So I um, suspect that there's been at least a month since the last episode then, because he would we haven't heard about her in mm. previous episodes. There's two aspects of the storyline. The first is that Mariner is trying to prove that there's something wrong with Barb. She's an imposter she or something. She cannot accept that she is just a human woman Attracted who to likes Boimler. <laughs> yeah, she cannot accept. But she's coming from like a good place with it. Like she wants to protect Bradwood, as we found out his Brad. name was. So we've always assumed Brad Boimler meant Bradley Boimler. Boimler, sorry. But uh, he's Bradwood Boimler. And I love that she, throughout the whole episode, she is then just calling him Bradwood. Just as if she's always known that's his name. Why do I find that name so I don't funny? know why. It's hilarious, isn't it? Is it even a real name? Do you think that exists? No. But But I bet it's like one of those things now where, you know, people are naming their kids after Game of Thrones. We may have... A Bradwood. Some generations of Bradwoods to come. If we ever have a third child, we'll have to call it Bradwood. Okay. Yeah. Or a pet. Imagine shouting that across the park to a dog that you want to come back. Bradwood. Bradwood. Boimler would be a really good name for a dog. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. 
Boimler. You'd have to get like one with long band, like a Great Dane or something. Oh, you almost need to get actually two kittens and call one Tandy and one Rutherford. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely calling and my then... next pet Tana. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a cat. A cat. It's got to be Tana, isn't it? I'm going to get the scruffiest one of the bunch. <laughs> so on one side of the story, you've got Mariner trying to protect, allegedly, Boimler from Barb because there's got to be something wrong with her. And then the other side, because of the story going on with the the sea plot with them not wanting the moon detonated, blah, blah, blah. Boimler's plans for him and Barb, a 10-course meal that he denied that he'd programmed into the <laughs> replicator, is cancelled. So he's now worried that because she's really impressed by Jet. Mariner called Jet like the second coolest person on the Cerritos. So I think she's alluding to the fact that she's the coolest. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't get it until I just started saying it, but I was like, yeah, she's actually, I think she's calling herself yeah, the cool. coolest. And she's pretty damn cool. Yeah. I love Mariner. Do you? Yeah. You haven't said that before. Oh, I mean, I'm in love with Mariner. Mariner's brilliant. Like, I, I don't know whether to be jealous or... I'm there for Mariner every week. I just come be back... like, it's a cartoon, Katie. I come back for Mariner every week. Okay. Don't be jealous of the cartoon. Don't need to be. There's only one woman in my life. And it's Sally, your TV. It's not just my TV. She's my companion. Good Lord. Moving on. Moving on, anyway. <laughs> Boimler is worried he's losing his girlfriend, and so he tries to impress her. Uh, he messes up an attempt to watch her do her thang. He tries to get jacked up. He asks the computer to replicate him an outfit of all the coolest people. Was that what he said? The coolest yeah, people? Yeah, the coolest people of the last century or something, wasn't it? Boys Boy size sm- small. Boys size small. <laughs> that really tickled me. Yeah. The outfit is like this <laughs> mix match. It's like different boots on each foot. Uh, the jacket was like cut in half. It was like one side was like a leather jacket. The other was, his hair was nuts. Like everything was Pink like... sunglasses. Yeah, everything was mixed up, the clothes. And he did actually look kind of cool, but ridiculous. Eclectic. I love it. After he accidentally like spills a beer on Barb and stuff, it's all gone wrong. And she's like, what's going on here? Like first you show up looking really sexy. <laughs> you come in here looking sexy as hell. And then you ruin it. <laughs> I love she found him sexy. Mariner obviously is really trying to prove she's a conspiracy board. That image is famous from the released images. Mm. And no one had any idea what it was about because we saw Suliban on there. We saw Transporter clones. We saw uh, all sorts of, of Trek throwbacks. I loved seeing the Suliban. The Suliban was the second of two Enterprise references in this, by the way. How did Boimler describe Jet? Uh, He's like a Kirk Sunday with trip Tucker. Sprinkles. Yeah, Trip Tucker Sprinkles or something mm-hmm. like that. A mention of Trip Tucker. That's brilliant. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so Mariner is convinced, convinced that something's up. Eventually, she ends up pulling down Barb's trousers. Accidentally, of course, when she's trying to prove that she's got a tail. And so that at this point, I think Boimler is going off with her. They kind of made up of me because she realized that he was just getting jealous about thinking that she was having sex with Jet and all that. So she has a go at Mariner and then going to leave. Take a moment to appreciate how awful Mariner looked. Oh, right. Because yeah. she was so stressed about trying to find out what Bob was. She had bags under her yeah, eyes. There was bags she under her eyes. She was frazzled. Yeah. This was like in Temporal Edict when you know they're all working hard, and <laughs> yeah. Boimler was the only one who just didn't have any bags under she his eyes. Like hell. She, yeah, she had like bags under her eyes and everything. She sold it. And then she realised that she must have got it wrong. She mm. must have been wrong. She walked off, and then just as she was realising, she must have just been completely wrong, and someone must have been attracted to to Bradwood. She stepped on a was it a husk or something? A husk, a husk an alien husk. She needs to go save the day. She needs to save Boimler, who it turns Bad. out is on what like a. What do they call it? I don't know. He's on like one of those little station bits around the force field that they've got around the moon. She, she does request an emergency she, transport. She does. And then with and she makes up a code. Mariner, code eight. 
<laughs> is this a made-up code? Yeah. Who is this? <laughs> so I love that she then gets an EV suit. Yeah. Flies she through space. Just hanging around. Climbs over things. I mean, surely on the bridge they've detected that someone yeah, has ejected have to, themselves. Yeah, like, sign it out. Yeah, I know, right? But she was working quick, man. Mm. Now, this sequence looked epic. It, oh, uh, it so made good. me think of Discovery's season two opening when, like, Pike and Burnham and I can't remember who else were in their spacesuits flying through the asteroid mm. field. And it reminds me of Star Trek 09 and, and Into Darkness with Kirk and Khan. Yes, that space bit was awesome. I thought it looked great. And then she gets there and she walks in. We get the famous scene from the trailer where, where Boimler thinks that Barb's walked in, turns around, he's butt naked. And she freaks out, he freaks out. And she was not about that. No, that. no. No to all. all of this. <laughs> yeah. And that. They start detonating the moon, finally. He thinks she's just gone crazy. That she made up the alien husk. He bangs his head is unconscious she goes to help him but barb comes in and barb attacks mariner they have an epic fight she has met her match barb was tough she like throws her through screens oh yeah yeah i think mariner like loses this fight yeah i think do you think mariner loses this fight or was it a draw maybe a draw but you know barb has got her at the end yeah, Ready true. to punch yeah i feel like mariner took more damage but had the fight being able to go on for longer and longer. She's got stamina. Yeah, Mariner's got Endurance. more stamina. Endurance. Mm-hmm. Nice. But then also she was able to salvage it with her words. Yeah. Which I guess is more Starfleet anyway. Yeah, that is more Starfleet. They realise that they both... I love that they both couldn't understand the other one being interested in Bradwood <laughs> in a protective way or a romantic way. And she thought at one point that Mariner was a brune spy, which is funny. They realise nothing wrong and uh, Mariner scan, jokingly scans Barb and sees she's human. It's all fine. And suddenly it comes up like parasite detected. And she's like, oh no. I didn't know where it was going at no, this point. No, neither did I. I was like, oh no, it's about I to kick off. I thought Mariner was right. But it turns out the parasite was in Bradwood's hair. And it was like a love parasite thing. So it just makes you, it gives off this like, I don't know, toxin or something that makes people fall in love with you. How didn't it work on Mariner then? In my head, the way I would say it works is that it picks like one yeah, part yes. and they took it off. He was worried that Barb was only interested in him for because of the But she parasite. sets him straight. Yeah, she sets him straight. No, not at all. I, I'm a staff officer. Do you think I, I could fall in love just because of one of these little bugs? Which just kept saying like, love her, love her, love me, whatever it was. It was quite a funny little bug. But then she broke up with him because she... I can't remember the exact reason. You've just watched it again, so... She drops the bombshell that she needs to concentrate on her work right now. Yeah. And she carries away that weird little bug. She stares at it so lovingly. Did mm. you notice that she oh, walks she? out? Yeah, she's like, wow. Oh, no, she's in love with the bug. Yeah, possibly. Maybe I'm just reading too much into this. Maybe you're not. Maybe but, you're not reading enough into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Ew. but she looks at it and she's like fascinated by it and like all wide-eyed, like, ooh, shiny. This is like a really friendly moment between Mariner and Boimler when she's trying to give him the pick-me-up and got like an arm around his shoulder, I think, as she walks him out of the room and he's, he's sad and then she makes a joke about the egg sack that he'd held or something was it before I can't mm. remember and he's like how do you know he's like wait oh no 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 and that's the end of their story also it turns out Mariner is going to meet Barb Mariner and Barb are tight now yeah they're friends now so love it typical of girls really isn't it no normally but, when we have a fight with each other that's it I thought sometimes you bond with people what, with women you, you don't like was that not a woman's oh, thing oh on the, on the front yeah oh no no I just mean like but that seemed quite genuine so what do you think of this episode I loved it. I thought it was so good. I know we say this is weak, but this this one is a definitive statement. This is the best episode of Lower Deck so far. Agreed. Absolutely superb. Every plot was it's, great. It's not even just funny. Each 
storyline was funny mm. but also really enjoyable and you actually really want to find out what's going to happen next yeah i really what enjoyed think? really enjoyed it i thought again the animation was fantastic mm. particularly the space flying through space bit the moon looked fantastic yeah yeah. The space stuff is really good in this show. Yeah. And I guess like if they had to get one thing right on this show, they had to make the space bits look And you know what? When we first turned it on, our two and a half year old daughter, nearly two and a half, went, Ooh, moon. Mm, yeah, she did, so yeah. She knew, what she knew it, was. it was a moon, even though it was partially destroyed as well. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Let's talk about Mariner like, in this episode. Just what do you think of Mariner's behaviour? I just, just think she is such a good friend. Like, I would love to have her in my girl squad because She'd be there for you, mm. thick or thin. And she actually, the great thing about her is she doesn't really care if she's upsetting Boimler or she's peeing him off or whatever. She's just doing it because she's just genuinely, she cares about him and his well-being. And this has happened a lot now. Yeah. Like the issue with the Ferengi in episode two, where she made herself like a right idiot for him. We're seeing a recurring theme here that she seems to value that friendship more than Boimler has. But on a deeper level. He's very important to her, I think. Because he may hate her for some of the stuff that she's done. Oh, yeah. But he was ready to turn on her in the first episode, if you remember. But deep down, she's always got his best interest at heart. She's She's a lovely character. She's looked out for him. He'd probably be potentially dead by now. What would happen to that parasite if it stayed in him for any longer? If she Uh, hadn't created a fuss, what would it have done to him? Don't know. Mm. I loved Marin in this. I thought she was great fun. The story wasn't about her, mm. but she was driving forward the A story. I thought it was hilarious. Her looking so bedraggled. Oh, yeah. While she's trying to figure all this out. And also, you know, she's got this conspiracy board. She's going through all these crazy ideas. And she's like, and look, you know, she's like, now bear with me, Sudaban. I know, I know, but a Sudaban. <laughs> you know, she's like, I just love this idea that the Sudaban are still potentially known as shapeshifters <laughs> even then, uh, when they would have lost the ability to do that, I guess, like 200 years earlier. Really? Well, it was all from Future Guy, wasn't it? On Enterprise. No. The one who was helping the Sudaban. Oh, Remember, they were uh, like, they were genetically oh, modified, oh, weren't oh, they? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Silic can change form, remember? Mm, yeah. No, mm. I remember that. And then I, when you said they lost their ability to do that, I was like, well, I assume they did, but I guess they might have potentially carried it on themselves. Mm. But I loved the Enterprise shout outs about time, but there was one cameo with Mariner that was the greatest. And that was Deep Space Nine. When I first watched this episode, guys, uh, I was in the lounge with my headphones in. So I have to watch it early because I'm going to get tweeted spoilers. So I watched it first. And then you happened to be down this time and uh, watching TV with the kids or something. Paw Patrol. I don't know if you heard me at one point just go, oh, shit. That was my exact words. Do you not? That was my exact out loud words when I realized that DS9 had made a cameo. Because it was so, like, low key. She was kind of out of frame a little bit. The focus was on the... The vessel that was in the shot rather than DS9. But, but when it's I realised nice that... they put these little nuggets in. Yeah, it's great, you know. Because cause you may not even notice it mm. on your first watch, which is why we was like, oh, well, let's watch it again. Let's watch it again. Because there's something you've missed. Like, it's the first the time. time. It's the first time we've seen the Deep Space Nine station since the show ended. So uh, it's cool to see her still alive and kicking after the show. Even though this was a flashback. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know how long ago it would have been. No. That's but a good Mariner's point. Mariner's hair would be crazy. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, it was a flashback. So it, would, it might not have even been after the show. But yeah, so Mariner's hair was incredible. It was like 70s disco afro. She was with a friend and then it turns out she'd made this mistake before. That's what was driving her, sorry, with Boimler. Was she'd, she'd basically seen her, one of her best friends get their face melted or something by a boyfriend who turned out to be like an evil alien uh, inside like a human 
disguise. That was a horrific scene, actually. <laughs> we should blood Makes lover. You realize, like Mariner's a really effed up character. She's had a lot of stuff happen to her. She's seen some stuff. She has. She's been on the epic missions and journeys, which is probably why she's now in Lower Decks. Yeah, she's happy down there. Maybe that's also one reason she really wants to stay down there. Mm. She only has one pip in that flashback, so she's still an ensign there. But I get the feeling that she was more significant in whatever her role was then. Mm. Should we do best bits? Yeah, let's do your favourite bit. What was your favourite moment oh, or moments? Man. I really enjoyed the the bit where Boimler is looking for Barb and he hears the innuendo mm. of her and Jack getting it on. And he's so sure he's going to come around the corner and be like, aha, that was fun. Yeah. Because we all knew what was coming or what was not coming. Boom, boom. <laughs> That was really poor. I loved the way she did her like little journey through space in a suit. That was awesome. It looked really good. Like it wasn't funny or just anything like that. Awesome. It just looked really good. That was my favorite part of the episode. Was it? Yeah, that was, was it. Ah. Also, like the fight between Barb and Mariner, mostly because Mariner was kind of getting her ass handed to her, and it makes her look not invincible. Yeah, and that's quite nice. Gives her a bit of vulnerability. But funny moments. Tendy and Rutherford are just awesome. Their chemistry, not like relationship chemistry, but their chemistry as friends is just awesome. They are so geek-tastic. I just love it. Favourite bit for me was that, that space flight was it? bit. And almost everything with Mariner in this episode. Mm. I'm beginning to become a bit of a broken record, but you know the way she delivers a dialogue and the line she mm. comes out? That's just, that stuff just appeals to me. Like, that's my kind of humour. Like, she says stuff offhand that's hilariously funny, and that's why I, I don't find knock-knock jokes funny. I find... Really? <laughs> you know, I, I find more, like, in-the-moment comments someone makes to be funny, so that's why I find Mariner so hilarious. And the voice work is fantastic. I think she just looks cool. The rolled-up sleeves, which I'm rocking right now, by the way. The rolled-up sleeves, sleeves look... <laughs> it's against Unless regulation. A... Have you noticed she's still doing it? Though? Yeah, of course. Yeah, even though she's gone to the brig for it, but she's <laughs> she's still doing it. Jokes on you. She probably doesn't... my favorite place. <laughs> she probably doesn't see much of Ransom though to have to worry about. No. About it. All that was my favorite stuff, and I, I love the Geordie LaForge teddy bear. That without question is surely going to get sold. Surely yeah. StarTrek.com are going to start selling those. If not, let's get some plain teddy bears. Oh my god! If people would go and do cosplay of Boimler. They should do Bimel in this episode and have the Jolie LaForge teddy bear. Mm. Any other comments on this week's episode? Really enjoyed. Even like the C-plot, you know. Um, yeah, with the aliens. Fre- yeah, Freeman is funny. She's grown on me as well. Yeah. I, I found her a bit grouchy before, but now like I'm really down with her like attitude now. And she's yeah. just like the manager who's just overworked, a bit miserable in their job. Like that's her. We've all been there. She loved her speech when she's like, when she said oh, something's going to be impossible. And she's like, we're Starfleet, you know, impossible. Mm. We're making impossible. Yeah decisions every day whatever whatever the saying was and I, I was like like that's what she imagined when she became a captain but it has been nothing like that for her life has beaten her down because she's not a great captain no she takes credit for other people's ideas and i'm starting to also wonder we've thought that has mariner kept her position in the fleet because of her family being who they are a starfleet captain and an admiral i'm wondering did freeman get up the ladder the way she did because of her association with the admiral Maybe. So was it her being with someone who was higher ranked? Uh, what helped her climb? Well, the I ranks? think you know how we were saying like if it were any other person, Freeman would have got rid of Mariner by now. I don't know whether maybe Mariner got her there, like she maybe Freeman took credit for something that Mariner did, mm. and that's why she can't get rid of her. It's like a bit of a yeah. You thought this before. Yeah. You? you said this yeah. last week. I think did I? 
Yeah. You're, you're on this theory now. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what I'm like. You're hanging on to it. Yeah. We'll have to see. Presented by Holosuite Media, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast, is produced and hosted by Kyle West and myself, Katie Harbin. To keep up to date on all the news and updates from Blast Shield, be sure to follow Blast Shield up on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And you can also find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join Holosuite Media's community discussion group, simply type The Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we will see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. Why on earth does Faith of the Heart get such a raw deal from so many Trekkies? If it's got all these traits, if it's got all these same traits of a, of a Trek theme song, in fact, one might argue that this song is more of a Trek piece of music, theme music, than some of the Trek stuff we've had. Like this, the lyrics to this song and the way they've pieced them together is, honest God, almost ticks every Star Trek box. Loading Holosuite preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I mean, but of course I'm hoping that in the future, drag is a whole lot easier. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't take like two hours to get done up. Right. Because I'd be late for all my duty shifts. So <laughs> they'd be like, red alert, capture the bridge. I'd be like, uh, just a minute. <laughs> just got to tuck here. And put my wig on. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine? Yes. Yes, I could. Loading Holosuite preview program for Starbase One, a Star Trek online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning. The structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase 1. Welcome to Starbase 1. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.